0: Wow. Are you excited about what we're doing today? I'm excited let's, about let's, what we're
1: doing today. Let's frame it up. But hey we Ryan, get these guys on every year. It's really exciting, okay. exciting time okay, of okay, year. Well, let me are let me ready? frame are it ready? up. Let me tee it up for frame you. Frame it up, tee it up. Hey Ryan, Rob, uh, what are we doing today? I don't know. You suck.
0: <laughs> you suck, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is the AT Banter
3: Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility,
2: and its importance in people's lives.
3: Join Rob Minnell, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to another
4: episode of A.T. Banter. Holy smokes, I'm out of practice. Hold on. That's wait, right. Wait, wait, where's wait, the, wait, for it. The... wait for it. Banter, banter. <laughs> 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 See, one week of vacation and all of a sudden right. it's okay. It's useless. Yeah. And we
0: didn't have any rehearsals.
1: Uh, keeps, my name keeps himself off the phone tree. <laughs> 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 I'm uh, not working this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my name is Rob Minot and joining me today mr ryan flurry i'm ryan flurry and back from the sunny shores of mexico mr steve barkley
4: hola uh
0: so how the heck was it how was uh
4: the vacation cancun is amazing it is beautiful it is tropical it is green it is lush there are critters running around all over the place um, amazing, absolutely amazing.
0: Hmm. And now you're, were you at a resort?
4: Yeah, I was at an Star Resort in Cancun. Oh,
0: look, look at you plugging, plugging away. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you get ten percent off your next stay.
4: I did. I did reviews both on Google and TripAdvisor for them because I was so impressed with this resort. It was, it was awesome. The, the folks there were just super nice, and the food was good. The, the services are amazing. Um, just a just a terrific resort
0: I'm telling you you should email them and see if you can get ten percent off next because you just gave them a huge plug and with our listenership I know
4: I know that's gonna be, they'll they'll be a be big flocking, boost in flocking to the shores of Cancun
1: ask them for a referral <question. laughs> fee
4: I, I saw a news article the other day about a uh, hotel I can't remember where it was I think it was in the Philippines but they, they basically put in an announcement that they will no longer be uh, providing any special opportunities to social media influencers. Because <laughs> I guess this is a big scam now, right? All of these people contact the hotel and say, hey, we're a social media influencer. You should put us up for free so that we can oh. you know, tell people all about your resort. Mm-hmm. And they've had so many people try and pull this on them now that they're just making it a, f- a flat out policy. No social media influencers. <laughs> well, just ridiculous. Go away, people. <laughs>
0: Ridiculous. Um, anything else exciting going on, boys?
1: As Ryan yawns. Exciting going on? No, not at all.
0: Oh, really? Nope.
1: Not even what we're doing today? Today we are talking with three members from the Google Accessibility Team who just got back from Google I.O. So so just for clarity here, we've got
4: uh, Patrick Clary, who's a product manager on the Accessibility Team. We've Woo. got... Uh, Victor Saran, who's a technical program manager on the accessibility team. And I hope I said his last Victor. name. Right. Yeah. You've... And we've got Brian Kemmler product manager on the Android accessibility
1: team.
0: Yep. All three. You bet. All three.
1: Packed three guests. I did indeed. Into
0: one episode. This yep. is going to be epic. This is going to be bigger than Game of Thrones this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> There'll be more Dragonfire. fire.
4: more menace yep more
0: characters doing things that don't make any sense at all more random violence yay you guys want to talk about some news before we uh launch into the google guys you got news yeah i got some news all right we always have news spread the news the news uh, hey, did you hear about this? Microsoft has patented a Braille controller for visually impaired gamers. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just a patent, mind you. It's not. It's nothing that they've actually announced, but the patent's out there. Not long ago, they did the, uh, of course, the controller. adaptive controller. Right, yeah. Uh, this one looks to be specifically for uh, the visually impaired, and it looks very cool. The patent itself shows a standard Xbox controller but in this particular controller, has a back touchpad that raises Braille characters depending on the feedback from the game. So you would, you might get in-game text that would be hard for somebody or impossible for somebody uh, to read on screen, uh, and that would get sent to these uh, these Braille cells, and you'd you'd get you know refreshable Braille right there um, to to match the the text.
4: Very interesting
0: would work supposedly it would work with uh, with chat as well. so you could actually communicate uh, that way, although I, I don't know why you wouldn't just voice chat. I mean, that's what everyone does. They'd scream insults about their mothers uh, <laughs> through their microphone. So I don't know really why you you'd have to braille that to somebody. But you suck.
4: Well, it would be for somebody deafblind probably., no, there you go.
0: So the controller is also a little bit different because it has paddles on the back. Uh, similar to the Xbox Elite controller, uh, but there are six of them. So that's to basically help the accessibility that keeps the player's hands uh, on the back of the controller near the Braille cells so that... You know, you wouldn't be constantly going from the buttons to the Braille cells and stuff. You could sort of, all your fingers and stuff would already be there on the back of the controller.
4: I wonder wonder if you could input text through them as well, To Yeah, I don't know. You know, so when you're getting owned by some 12-year-old and they're cussing you out and you're getting all their cussing in Braille, you can cuss back at
0: them. (laughs) That's right. Well, it it lends me to think that you could also, with that, you could build in some sort of... uh, I don't know, like a, almost like a haptic system. It wouldn't be a haptic system, but some sort of a system where if, uh, if you were steering your character or whatever and you hit a wall, could you not send that signal to some of the braille cells to sort of raise, to sort of indicate that you've hit a wall? Or like there might be all kinds of ways that they could perhaps utilize that in a way that would make, um, you know, somebody who's, who's blind be able to actually navigate Um, in the game, it has all kinds of potentials. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, again, this is nothing that's been announced. Microsoft hasn't even said that they, um, you know, they're they're going to be releasing it anytime soon. But they're they're looking at it. So once again, you know, kudos to to Microsoft Gaming, um, by you know another another really innovative and you know will be an incredibly incredibly powerful. Uh, controller for for the people that uh, that like to game, even though they're visually impaired. Okay, we but just wait, talk- wait,
1: wait. Let me ask you this though. Okay. As as you guys who have gamed, I'm totally blind. Yeah. If I had an Xbox here and I threw a game in, how do I even know where the load game is or the start game? Like, are all games gonna have the narrator speech of it? You know, I know narrator works with some of the games, but these menu systems, are they gonna be read aloud? Uh, right.
4: I don't know. Yeah. I can give you an unqualified no idea. <laughs> I I'm not a console gamer. I'm strictly well, a PC right. gamer. I, I've I've played a handful of times on consoles, but uh, I I don't have the skill set for it. So mm-hmm. I just stick to my PC game. Yeah.
0: But there also is on all the controllers. There's always a start button, right? And that always generally always starts the game. For example, and the you know the X button, the you know button at the sort of the bottom, the bottom part of the what do you got? The diamond configuration of the buttons is always like move forward through a menu, right? You know, the circle, which is to the right is always back out. So they, there, there is, there is a logic to, to the, to the buttons and everything. So in that sense, it it wouldn't be hard to like, say plug a game in and just start it up because start always starts the game. Start always pauses the game. You know, the X button always advances through a menu. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? You know, yeah. uh, we could get to a point where um, you know there's a there's a you know an onboard screen reader that that works with these games.
1: Well, I do know that narrator is reading some of the menus, I believe, off the off the Xbox system. So I just don't know if it works with the game menus. I
0: don't know. It's you know Microsoft is is doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty sure. good lately. You know.
4: Yeah, they're they're definitely making an effort, and that's that's nice to see. It's nice to see. You well, that's know, a good question and,
1: for our guest in June, who is about gaming. Oh, look so. at you
0: plugging <laughs> plug future shows again. Well, we just talked to Amy Cavanaugh. And she was uh-huh. uh, uh, last week, and she was saying yep. that how she she enjoyed the odd game, even though she had to sit like really close to the television and stuff, and you know she could only game for maybe an hour at a time because of her vision. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody likes to game these days. There's a lot. There's, there's something for everybody out there. Yeah, we should. You would load that up, Brian. I want to play Grand Theft Auto Five with you online. That'd be fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, alrighty.
0: But hey, speaking of Microsoft, let's continue on talking about Microsoft in not so favorable of a manner, in Uh-oh. my humble opinion. Oh oh. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. This story is positive, uh, but it's just you know, Windows updates. Oh, are you Win- scared? <laughs> Windows <laughs> updates coming
1: any day. Any day,
0: Windows updates have been borked (laughs) for what four years? Whenever it was, whenever Windows 10 came up, and they just decided, you know what, everybody just needs to be on Windows 10, and they just started, you know, pushing updates without any sort of input from the user. Um, The good news is, as of the new update that's coming in May, all of that goes away, and users will now have more control over additional windows updates and whether or not they want to install it when they want to install it it's giving users that functionality again so one of the biggest features of the upcoming windows 10 may 2019 update is the promised safety of the windows update process itself Microsoft is assured that users will no longer be surprised with automatic installation of new feature updates and that they will be given more control over the entire process. The company has apparently started to deliver this much-needed feature to devices running Windows 10 version 1903, with some users spotting a new, quote, additional updates available section. May 2019 update is currently in the slow and release preview rings but anyone can install this update before the public release. Beginning with the Windows 10 May 2019 update, users will be in more control of initiating the feature OS update, Microsoft has said back in April. While it was expected that this new download and install now button will only appear for feature updates, currently they are showing up for the cumulative updates as well. The addition of a new button should hopefully rid Windows 10 users of surprise upgrades that happened when they just clicked on the check for updates button to see if there were any new updates available, not always with an intention to actually install them. Okay, so I I guess I I, I see the problem. I see what they're doing. Okay, so generally if you were to go, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to check to see if there were any um, like security updates or anything Mm -hmm. for, so you'd, you'd click on the check for updates it would go it would check for updates and then it would just automatically used to install it so now what they're saying what it will do is it will go it will check for updates and then it'll say hey there's updates available would you like to install them that's what i got out of that
1: yes and no again i think with the feature updates it's going to show you what's available cumulative updates security updates and feature updates and it sounds like you're going to have the choice to install and download now. But I'd be willing to bet you you're still going to have a limited time before the update you, gets pushed to you. You know what? You may be right. Because you, Windows 10 is a service now. It's not just an option. Oh. Install the updates when you're ready. This is so aggravating. You know, and they're doing just, it twice a year.
0: Just go back to the way you did it. It was fine. It was fine.
1: You have no problems now. You took out your Wi-Fi card. I don't, you have a, <laughs> No, it's just it but just think of that like Oh twice a year is way too much. It's for way too much. Yeah. I
0: mean it's it's a real I would be so frustrated if I had any sort of assistive tech on my computer that mm-hmm. you know, every time there's one of these updates, there's a chance that a good chance that it's gonna break whatever software or
1: hardware you're using. Well, it's not even assistive technology. In the October update that came out last year, people started installing it and it started wiping out their files. Oh, I know. In the documents and downloads or whatever it was. Two days later, Microsoft retracted that update and then re released it like a week and a half later. Well, see, and that's, right. but that's a whole, so, that's
0: a whole nother issue. Yeah, that's so it's got just, that
1: has nothing to do with AT. That's, that's just, <laughs> that's the quality How about Microsoft. you release some updates that don't, that doesn't break
0: stuff? How about you take yeah. more time to actually um, quality check? yeah the updates that are coming out, well, and they should um, they've they,
1: got like like you read, they've got the slow ring, the the release preview ring, uh, a technical release ring or something. They've got all these beta test rings with millions of people and they're using them. They just need to start paying attention to what the bug reports are and you know not releasing these updates when they're ready,
0: yeah, I' not I, ready honestly, it's just it's it's baffling to me they they had it down to a science they they it was perfect. Like I remember back in the day, Windows seven, I mean rock solid. Oops. Windows Seven was rock solid. You you up you updated it, everything worked. Like they you never you never heard stories of, oh hey, you may not want to install that Windows update because it's going to break a bunch of stuff.
1: Like um, you'd never heard of that. Microsoft's got until the end of the year now because as of next next year, January twenty twenty, Windows Seven is no longer supported. Yeah well yeah well so you know they've got to the end of the year to sort it out. <laughs> I like the way it works now.
0: No, you really?
4: Yep. Really? It's it's been on every computer that I've got, it's been flawless. It's just it's installed. Don't worry about it. Just Yeah, but computer uh, and away you go. But I you think-
0: do a lot of computer configuration in terms of AT stuff though. Is mm-hmm. the, but and, and you talk to a lot of people who, you know, are scrambling because, you know, now their zoom text or something doesn't work because Windows updated on them. Like that's that's gotta be a frustration there in that sense.
4: There's the developers have an opportunity to get out ahead of this. Mm-hmm. The problem is that some of the developers haven't done that. So um, you know, there's there's pre-release versions of this that they get to play with to make sure that there aren't problems. And honestly, that's their job yeah. is to is to do it. And and if they're not doing it, then the consumers really need to get on their case about it because mm. um, you know. it it is mission critical software for a lot of people yeah so yeah uh, i mean but but i don't i don't view that as microsoft's problem microsoft has to continue to deliver a solid product a secure product make sure that everybody's safety is covered that's their job um now i think what they're talking about now is features that they're adding right so versus
0: versus security updates
4: versus security updates and such. So if they add a new feature, That's... And then and, you know, want it for whatever reason. And this this could actually be uh, as a result of some of the lawsuits in Europe around them, because, uh, you know, Microsoft has taken a lot of a lot of heat for doing things like, you know, forcing people to have uh, edge as a browser, for example, um, <laughs> right. you know, the, the Europeans took them to court to basically say, no, you, you know, you can't right. Right. Uh, force people into taking your browser. You've got to give them the choice as to whether they want to use your browser or not. And, uh, and I think this may be just kind of them creating a
1: larger policy that's more global, um, than, uh, than they've had in the past. Well, and these updates that come out twice a year now are actually called feature updates. You know, yes, they're full-blown versions of Windows again, but it's not necessarily just features like Edge or features like, you know, a new media player or whatever. They're actually called the feature updates because there are some new features that come out, but you are actually getting a brand-new version of Windows 10 mm-hmm. twice a year. Yes,
0: yeah, so. So, so I get it. I mean, I, I get what they're saying. I, I mean, they're, they're they're making that distinction between, okay, well, we'll make the, the feature updates sort of optional, quote, you know we won't we won't mm-hmm. make them because we want people to make sure that people are getting the the actual security updates which are the important exactly. updates. yeah yeah i get
4: it okay well
0: yeah. no more well,
1: auto install which is what, which just, is yeah, what we just yeah just you're,
0: just give some control
4: back to the users that's all i say you're you're just mad because your crappy computer kept crapping out on us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it certainly didn't help <laughs> did not help every time my com- my computer went to upgrade windows it just it hung it was terrible
1: but keep the, in mind the update I, I would have to roll it back and, But keep in mind keep in mind this article is talking about this May update. This can be after we get this May update. This May update is still going to get pushed out to everybody and still automatically install. Yeah. Right. Right. So after this May update comes out, we'll have the option to Yeah, I uh, guess. Turn those on.
0: So I don't know. It's so We'll see how this one fine. goes. Fine. All right. Well, it, it, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Yep, for so sure. I won't be I won't be too much of
1: a curmudgeon about this, but I uh, I mean, have you checked out the new the new Edge? No, no, you should check it out. It's based on Chromium now. So it's you know, like you
0: Chrome. know, the browser wars are very interesting. Like, Firefox annoys the crap out of me now. I used to be, I used to love Firefox when it first came out. It's like this is the greatest thing, and now I hate that browser. And it's all about
1: Chrome for me. Well, Ensi, and I, I use Chrome myself, but half the time I bring up, you know, Gmail in Chrome, and the page doesn't load, so I have to Alt tab and then Alt tab back to it. So. You know, I've tried mm-hmm. Edge. I've you know, you got to almost have three different browsers now <laughs> to be able to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I, I flip back and forth between Edge and Chrome. Yeah. You should try the new the new Credge. The still new Credge. Yeah, it's in beta or public preview or whatever. Is that what it's called, Credge? No, that's what uh, Paul Thurrott and Mary Jo Foley from um, All About Microsoft on Windows Weekly call it oh, oh, okay. because it's based off Chromium. So Chromium and Edge Credge. Okay. Yeah. You're such a nerd, Ryan. Right? I am. Yep, got to stay up to date on this stuff. Nerd, nerd.
0: (laughs) Hey Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology?
4: Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture. You name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com
0: rick let me ask you about this chaos technical services chaos technical services don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> 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 Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas
1: Tech. Uh-huh. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low-vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines, uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. All right. Shall we bring on the Google boys? Bring on the Googlers. Hi, guys, are you there? Hi, guys, how's it going?
2: Good, good. All right, so I guess if we're all ready, uh, let's let's do some intros.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: My name is Brian Kemmler. I'm a product manager, and I work on Android Accessibility.
5: I'm Victor Tsaran. I'm a technical program manager, also on Android Accessibility.
3: Yeah, hi, folks. Uh, Patrick Clary. I'm a product manager on Google AI and Accessibility.
1: Great. Well, we want to welcome you guys back to AT Banter this year. I see that you survived another Google I.O., so we're looking forward to digging in and finding out what was announced.
2: Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to kick us off. So uh, we had a super exciting year, perhaps even the best year ever at Google I.O., at least for accessibility. So we had tremendous visibility into uh, really I.O. as a whole. And I think we've leaped out of the sort of niche accessibility kind of settings type features into the mainstream. And that proved out with the new feature that we launched called Live Caption, which is a feature that applies captions to any audio on the Android device. And Sundar spoke about that in his, his keynote. And the press really got and understood that. So as they spoke about uh, sort of the hit or the most important features within Android, um, we got a lot of uptick and a lot of coverage on that. So that was super super exciting. So that was one of the, uh, one of the announcements we had. Um, we also um, announced a bunch of new updates to um, to Talkback and um, heard from our friends uh, Patrick and so forth from our central accessibility team. So it was really a great and exciting I.O., and I think my summary would simply be, you know, it's the year that accessibility became mainstream, and that, to me, was really an honor to be part of that. Yeah, we
4: talk a lot on our show about, um, you know, universal design and the need for um, these sorts of solutions. Um, it's, It's just really... Gratifying to us after all our years in the industry to see this stuff going mainstream to see it just part of Devices that you get off the shelf.
2: Yeah, thank you. And you know, I talked about that I gave um, two talks uh, one was uh, the one we give uh, Kind of as a tradition what's new in accessibility and one of the things that I talked about um, Speaking of the point of universal design is you know, our mission is universally accessible Right, universal the world's make the world's information universally accessible and useful. And so one of the strategies that we took this year from a product standpoint was not bolting or hammering on accessibility to something that was built for another set of users first, but rather building purpose built accessibility apps with accessibility use cases in mind, first and foremost, and actually as the Primary use cases, and I think that's proven out in you know three of the three of the new features that we have. So live uh, live transcribe, which is a captioning app for deaf and hard of hearing people that we launched in uh, in February. Live caption, which is the um, like the system overlay to caption any audio on your Android device that we announced at Google I/O and that will launch in the fall, as well as sound amplifier, which is a basic. Uh, audio augmentation, and um, basically uh, uh, an app that helps you improve or clarify the sound around you. So this app is for people who maybe uh, don't have, want to experiment with, or perhaps can't even afford a hearing aid. So it's not meant to be a hearing aid replacement, uh, but it is meant to like give anybody a little bit of a boost to the audio uh, around them so it's easier to follow conversations or television or movies and whatnot. And so, you know, the undergirding product philosophy behind each one of these three applications is building for accessibility uh, first.
4: Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think that deserves three cowbells. (laughs) <laughs>
2: that sounds great <laughs>
0: that is very good I don't think we've ever I don't think anyone's ever gotten more than two cowbells so you guys should, that is that is some high praise indeed from Steve There's a. will
2: take that as a I'll take that as an honor and as uh, an indicator that we need to double down and continue to you know build on what we've done but also take that philosophy not just into the deaf and hard of hearing user space but also also into vision and screen reader users right. and you know there's a whole series of other um, other users who have accessibility needs and we want to bring that philosophy uh, that design philosophy and that focus on uh, on those users first um, directly to all those other
5: spaces
0: now from what I, from what I understand you, the, you also talked a little bit about uh, Google Lens and the text to speech feature could somebody sort of
5: uh, speak to speak to that a little bit. Google Lens launched this feature where um, you're prompted to uh, take a picture of any object, and then it'll try to give you um, some idea to what it is. But I think their primary focus right now is on text scanning, text. That's basically pretty much the summary of it.
0: Now, and and I mean that that alone. I, I mean, th- there's some some really. W- Wide-ranging implications to that. There's there's educational, um, you know, for for learning disabilities. That's going to be an amazing feature. Um, same thing with with uh, translation, any sort of communication. You know, vision. There's a lot there to unpack that that can really be benefit to to users.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's very exciting, um, and you know, my. I'm very excited to see, too, how this technology in general is kind of migrating from when we think about accessibility, um, you know, a lot of times we think about how to make our devices accessible and our apps accessible, and and that's super important. Um, but what's also really exciting is seeing how we can use this technology to make um you know, real-world experiences also more accessible and more meaningful for for these users. And many times, AI uh, plays a strong role there. Um, And so I think with with recent advancements that that you see in AI, um, we'll be unlocking a lot more of kind of these key experiences, which are are really uh, interesting and exciting and inspirational, too.
5: And also to piggyback on what Patrick just said is that the whole idea of that multi-sensory UIs, user interfaces are great for most for most people, really, not just for blind or you know, physically disabled people as taken you know individually, but really for most users, because you know, text prompts might be great for somebody who has difficulty seeing the screen, but they also might be great for somebody who is not looking at the screen. You know, we've talked about this. Every year, pretty much, we have podcasts with you guys. Is that, and we're trying to prove this and see how this actually scales in the real sort of life. And we're seeing that people are responding really well. You know, uh, haptic feedback is great for everybody, not just for blind people. Um, text prompting is great for everybody, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's been
4: all kinds of studies done around uh, learning disabilities that, that have shown that multisensory reinforcement really helps uh, people learn much better.
0: So, I mean, you know, it, what's exciting, I think, to me is that we're really, we seem to be moving towards this world where potentially we could just have these these devices in our pockets that are, are so powerful that... They they are this all in one communication aid almost uh, that can that can literally you know break down almost any sort of sensory barriers that that are that exists now. I mean, it seems to be within arm's reach right now.
5: Yeah, we just have we just need batteries that can last mm-hmm. twenty times as long. <laughs> exactly. But fun. otherwise, you're right. In terms of features, we, we definitely. I would even say we're we're. We're there already. I mean, a lot of the things we can do today with your phone, just a single phone, but were not even possible five years ago. Right. And so we're not close. I would even say we're so, so, so close. Yeah.
2: So another another way I like to kind of frame it when I talk about it is, you know, traditionally the design philosophy behind uh, accessibility has been focused toward making things that are on the device, be it the hardware or the software, whether it's the OS or the, you know, the apps themselves, more accessible. But that phone in your pocket is now much more like a supercomputer. And we have the ability to shrink down what used to take, you know, a data center or, you know, an array or a Borg cell in a data center and put it on that phone in the form of a, um, you know, in in the form of like a, a processing unit. like And with that, we could use the capabilities of the phone's sensor and its camera and so forth and its microphone to really provide assistance, not just to what's on the device, but also what's in the real world. So, you know, I'd like to talk about kind of what we do on the device, but also what we can do in the real world. And there's just such an opportunity now to not just make the device more accessible, but to make the world and the planet more accessible.
4: Well, yeah. I tell you, just as a, as a traveler, um, you know, something like Translate is ridiculously useful. And, uh, you know, I just got back from, uh, from Mexico last week and uh, I was using Lens to um, capture Spanish text and, and then translating it into English. Uh, in a museum, because they only had Spanish on some of the plaques in the museum. Um, you know, <laughs> that was unthinkable years ago, and, and it's so handy now.
3: Yeah, I want to comment on that, actually. Um, yeah, I really like that example, because I think it also, like, while while that example you gave, that might be a case of where you needed um, a translation because you didn't speak that language. I think it's really interesting to think of this also as an accessibility need. Yep. Um, that la- that text wasn't accessible to you um, because it was written in another language. And in, in the same way, that text might not be accessible to someone with a vision impairment. Right. Um, and so, the way that technology can address all of these different. Accessibility needs um, when it comes to communication, as as you said, um, is is very exciting uh, to kind of see. Then you know, okay, so that's that's what we can do now, and then and where can we take it? Where can this go next? So it's um, for for people like us who are working on accessibility at a company at Google. Um, when we see these advancements um, in in this type of technology, it's really inspirational to kind of think about okay, where can we take this and um, You know, what other what other situations are there where something like this might be useful?
0: I was thinking about this while I was watching uh, the the live transcribe video um, that you guys released. Um, You know, in in college, I worked at a warehouse and I worked with uh, a couple of of guys who were deaf. And I remember, like, you know, in communicating with them and what we basically would have to do is they, they would they would write down on a piece of paper you know, what they wanted to say. And I'd have to write back and, and to think that, you know, in the space of my lifetime, now here, here we are at, at a point where, you know, a, this little device in, in a pocket can just absorb speech and spit it out text for them to see. I mean, all on the fly live is it's incredible.
4: Yeah. Think, think about it. I mean, how many years ago was it that we were selling the Ubi Duo as a, as a means of communication for, for deaf people? You know, um, a dedicated device that you had to type into and, and, you know, it was expensive. It was, you know, I think five or six thousand dollars, if I recall. And, you know, single purpose device. You know, this is this has really been a revolution for the for the deaf community.
0: So, sort of a technical question, and mainly just out of curiosity. But we, you know, we we are always hearing these terms, um, machine learning, you know, AI, and uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, sort of people outside the the technical community will hear those terms and have maybe a little bit of a perception of of what it is and what it means. Is, is that the, the real core of all this it, in terms of like the linchpin that's really driving a lot of this technology
2: forward? I, I, yeah, I think it is. And, you know, w- what I'd say is like, I hear this all the time, right? And even when people are not doing machine learning or artificial intel- intelligence, right? So like everybody wants to jump onto this is be, kind of become marketing slang, mm-hmm. but I think At least in this context, when we say it, we mean it. And what it means to us is that underlying, say, I'm going to give the examples of live transcribe and live caption, right? Underlying our ability to recognize speech and turn it into text is a massive um, machine learning and artificial intelligence infrastructure where we take um, massive sets of data and then Run algorithms on that data over and over and over again to be able to infer speech, infer nuance in speech. So be able to do things like add, add punctuation, add capitalization. Um, I can say something into live uh, live caption or live transcribe like I bought a New Jersey in New Jersey, and if I say that, it understands. That the first New Jersey <laughs> is simply an adjective modifying a noun, and the second New Jersey needs to be capitalized because mm-hmm. it's a proper noun, the state of New Jersey. So, wow. so that to me, uh, you know, is really what I call like a magical, a magical capability. Yeah. And as cool and awesome as it is for me, I'm a hearing person. I'm a seeing person. So it's neat. It's awesome. It helps me if I'm at a bar and it's it's loud. Like if I'm in a situationally deaf kind of scenario, but for somebody who's actually, um, who actually has hearing loss, who actually needs captions, who actually has to rely on captions, it's
5: really, really, really powerful.
1: And now with all these apps, is it correct, or am I correct in thinking that all the processing is done on the device? You don't actually have to have a data connection to to use these apps? So
2: uh, it, de- it depends so you know we're not in a world where on device um, ai and ml is is as mature as it is in the cloud and that simply makes sense because you know just a few years ago you couldn't run any of this on a small device you needed a data center right so it's migrating and it's moving over there and it's going to have a lot of it's going to have a lot of benefits like offline access like very very fast response time low latency Uh, And a better, quite honestly, a better story for security and privacy. The data doesn't have to go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, as we get to that world, you know, some of these apps still leverage the cloud, where the cloud can do things that are better and that provide better functionality for users. Some of them use on-device models. So to give you an example, Live Transcribe, we started about two years ago, and so we're using cloud, cloud models. Live caption, we started nine months ago. We birthed it at I.O. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, that uses an on-device model. So we expect mm-hmm. the on-device models to get better and better and better over time.
4: Right. You know, this this idea of, of voice recognition being housed on a cell phone <laughs> really does melt my brain. Because I've been, I've been working with voice recognition since um, pre, pre-Dragon version 1. Um, and uh, you know, that was daughter cards that you had to stick into your computer, you know, specialized processing cards. it was discrete speech, so you had to put a pause after every word. It was terribly inaccurate. <laughs> it was very slow, but necessary for for a lot of people. Um, the how far it's come in the last in the last few years is just staggering to me.
0: Well, and the really important component of that is not only, uh, is it so much more powerful, but it's also baked into this mainstream device. Yeah, it's included. It's uh, it's, there. it's no longer a specialized piece of, of, of technology that's only good for one thing. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the exciting part about it. You know, finally, I feel like we're actually, in terms of uh, digital um, universal design, we're, we're getting real close.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, As as it stands right now, if you're if you've got live transcribe on, is there any way to indicate in Live transcribe uh, what text is being transcribed by which speaker? Like, do you have? Yeah. So
2: that's a that's a feature The sort of technical jargon or parlance for that is called diarization. I find that a very technical term. So a, a simpler one is speaker separation or speaker identification. There are some nuances there. Uh, that is a very difficult problem to solve because yeah. uh, we don't know in advance, uh, you know, Brian's voice is Brian's, Victor's is Victor's, Patrick's is Patrick's, Ryan's is Ryan's, and so on. And determining that without hardware today is it's, it's, it's possible, but the algorithms that I've seen are not fully there and are not fully uh, reliable. It is our absolute number one uh, not only requested but desired features sometimes we get requested features and it's like oh, I kind of don't want to do that you know <laughs> uh, but in this case, I want to do that more than I want to do anything else for live transcribe and for live caption for that matter and I could tell you we're working on it we're working on it really hard um but it's a hard problem to solve
4: yeah I've been that that's something that I've been asked for for by by people for years because they've wanted to use voice recognition to you know, transcribe meeting notes, for example, um, and of course, it, it just wasn't possible. Although, although we did have a competitor who kept telling people that it was possible, and it wasn't. But, uh, but yeah, th- I, that's going to be when it when it hits the the streets. That's going to be a super popular feature, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be really, uh, really game changing. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you guys a little, like a tiny scoop. So we're going to have a, a nice announce, uh, a nice announcement. It's not, it's not diarization, but, uh, we'll have some new features and some exciting announcements at, on, on Thursday, global accessibility awareness oh, day. Excellent. Keep an eye out for our blog. It's a little, little plug and a little scoop for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be just so transformative. You know, you think about you know, what we could call like a ears-free experience, right? When you can't hear or you have a lot of hearing loss, so it makes it, you know, it makes it difficult. It's not just speech, right? Speech is only one component of the ambient audio. You know, there's like, I'm knocking, I can make noises. Like there's all of this other stuff and all of this other context, like who is speaking, what they said, and um, and so, you know, the vision, I think, eventually will be that we can sort of represent most of that the best we can in, in a um, in a fashion that uh, deaf and hard of hearing users can understand and consume that.
4: Neat. Well, we'll definitely keep our ear to the ground for that one. Yep. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm excited about Thursday.
1: There'll be a lot of announcements on Thursday. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think you're right. Um, hey, so could, now one of the other projects that that was mentioned was Project Euphonia. Could somebody give us a, a bit of a rundown
2: of of what that is? So, okay, so if you think about, um, let's think about Live Transcribe, right? So live, live Transcribe gives us the ability to use a smartphone. Now, if I cannot, if I cannot hear, I get that I get that speech to text. So when we train those models, we train it on, you know, YouTube data sets, lots of video, audio, and and so forth. But the challenge is there are a lot of people out there who have what we would call non-normative speech, right? So I I don't like to say speech impediment, but, you know, that's the kind of common vernacular. So for folks who have non-normative speech, uh, those models aren't going to work. So if they speak into the assistant, it's 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 just it's just not going to it's not going to pick it up. It's like having a thick foreign accent, right, right? right? And so that data is really 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 sparse in our in our models. So it's a really difficult technical and computer science problem to be able to change uh, to be able to train on, you know such sparse data and such unique um, uh, speech patterns. Mm-hmm. So Euphonia was envisioned, and the product manager, her name is Julie. We work together uh, very closely. So if you ever wanted to do a follow-up interview with her, I'd be happy to connect you. But so Julie and Euphonia's mission has been, how can we train on, you know effectively a data set of one? You know, one person, one accent, and this is very helpful for people who have uh, conditions whereby they lose speech. So things like things like ALS, right, and that gets you know those that that ability to speak degenerates over time, and those people can also lose motor and physical functions, meaning that it's absolutely essential that they be able to interact with a device and using voice, right? So if we use those standard Models that we have in live transcribe and live caption, it's just not going to, it's going to fail. Like if I spoke French into an English model, it's going to fail, right? So um, so Euphonia was designed and we've actually prototyped and proven out this concept that we can train on a single individual and have the algorithms understand what they're saying. And so we've done this with one of our Googlers here uh, who's, who's deaf and has like a very strong deaf accent. Um, those of us who work with him, we can understand him really well. Um, but the algorithm wouldn't be able to do it without this capability, without this technology. So this is really, this is really life changing, and it's bringing the power of AI and machine learning down to really small and individual use cases that, you know, heretofore have been, you know, just impossible to address.
4: That's really exciting. And, and for me personally, it's exciting for, for two reasons. One, I have a, a father in law who has uh, Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, ultimately, he, he probably will have some degradation of his speech. Um, but the other one is uh, I have a birth father in Northern Ireland who has just an incredibly thick accent. And if you can make me understand him, that would be so cool. Because I, I, I literally can't talk to him on the phone because I can't understand him. Wow! I, if if I can't be there in front of him looking at his face, uh, I've got like zero chance of actually understanding what he's saying.
2: Totally, totally under, totally understand that. So it's mm-hmm. you know, you know it, you know it's it's it's. I I have to talk. It's it's not my product, so I don't want to I don't want to represent it in, sure. incorrectly, right? But when it's you know matured and when it can be productionalized, right? Like at least. Theoretically, there is absolutely no reason why we would not be able to include it in live trans in live transcribe, Damn. and it would be useful not just for you know not just for that individual person, but for people who maybe can't understand their accent, right? And that may be people you're meeting for the first time because you know it takes some time to get used to that non normative speech, right. and especially to your point, if. You're not like kind of visually in front of that person or nearby them. It, it, it can be difficult to pick up on those cues. So uh, so we think it's an immensely promising technology. Um, okay,
0: Ryan. Okay, I'm going to let I you off more. your leash. I got more. I'm going to let, let go. you let off your go. leash, so go. go.
1: All right. So this year there was a lot of um, tech on, on and for people with hearing impairments. Has there been any enhancements or changes to magnification, talkbacks, Switch access, Braille back.
5: Okay, let me do a quick rundown on some of the TalkBack um, things. So as you may know, we released uh, TalkBack 7.3, I believe it was in March. If my memory serves me the right, time flies so fast. You can keep track of it. Um, and so two big f- new features we announced was the continuous reading and the screen search. Right. Uh, I, I guess for anybody who's using the screen reader, it's pretty obvious why they're useful. Uh, the first feature allows you to um, read continuously any content on the page, be it a web page or just a, any screen on your phone. That is just reduces the number of swipes you have to perform to get around the content, right? Because normally you'd swipe left and right we we'll have to drag your finger. In this case, you can simply launch continuous reading. And then as the content is being read, you can quickly skip through things that you're not interested in. And while you're doing that, we continue reading as opposed to just like stopping because it okay. decided to swipe. And the screen search um, allows you to um, search any screen for... You know, for, for a content that you may be interested in, I personally use it for something like, let's say I'm in a list of apps and I need to quickly locate an app that I'm interested in opening. So just type in a few letters and pick from the list of matches and double tap on it and take me straight to the place I need to go. And that works on websites, it works on um, Android native screens, it works in email programs. So it's just, it's again, it's a, it's a very powerful productivity feature. Um, and the fact that, that you don't have to type full words obviously saves you a lot of, um, not just swipes, but a lot of typing. Yep. Um, and whilst you're on a, on a screen search, you can also use voice because we basically pull up the straight uh, Android keyboard, which also has voice dictate features. So if you don't want to type, you can just simply speak what you would like to search for, and it's going to perform the search for you. So these are two features we launched uh, in TalkBack. Um, There haven't been any big changes to BrailleBack, but this is going to be our focus for the next year going forward. So I don't think I'll have much to say at this point. But hopefully a year from now, when we talk to you guys, we'll have a lot more to say.
1: Okay. Before we move on, Victor, I did want Mm -hmm. to ask you, I I noticed in the Play Store the other day that BrailleBack is still a separate app. Are there plans to move it into the Android accessibility suite?
5: There are many plans. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at this point, yes, BrailleBack is currently a separate app because we would like users to have the experience they're used to. Okay. And when there are new changes, we'll definitely make sure that everybody knows about them. But we do have big plans for Braille. Great. So just stay tuned.
1: Perfect. Thank you.
5: Cool. Yeah, I mean,
2: I think directionally, and we'd love, you know, we'd love your feedback on that. So if you ever um, want to meet offline and, you know, yeah. Tell us what you love, tell us what you hate, tell <laughs> us your top feature stories or get it from, if you want to get it from your audience and, you know, provide it to us, um, you know, we're definitely super, you know, super open to that. I mean, we're aware of the fact that, you know, basically Braille and screen reader experience are, they're fragmented, right? They're, you need two different apps, they're separate apps, it's not easy to jump from one to the other. So we, you know, we acknowledge that. And uh, I think a big part of our focus in the next letter release cycle is going to be not only on, you know, the screen reader, the blind, the deaf-blind um, type use cases, but also on low vision use cases. And right. so, um, so I'm super, super, super excited about bringing the kind of in- innovation uh, you've seen in the deaf and hard of hearing space into, you know, blind, low vision, um, deaf-blind
3: and uh, I'll pick up with um, the services we have for users with, with uh, motor impairments, um, dexterity impairments, which are switch access and voice access. So switch access, um, we, we had an update where um, we improved basically text editing functionality. Um, and so we know that editing text and composing text is something, you know, at, not just People with different accessibility needs, but anyone does this pretty frequently. Um, And, you know, it's a a core thing you do on your device to just connect with someone else. Uh, So this is why we are really um, interested in improving text editing functionality for switch users, because we know that's also a big pain point that requires... Um, a lot of scanning with switches, and a lot of frustration to to correct text and get something right. Um, so some of the additions that we made are um, while you're editing text, like while you have a text field open, there's new menu items that allow users easily to move the cursor to go back to previous words and beginning of the sentence. And Copy and paste and insert new things Um, so all of all of these features that uh, you might expect for for kind of make making text editing much easier and faster Um, And then the other service I mentioned voice access so voice access launched in September and this is Um, Basically, an app that users will download from the Play Store. It's it's not part of Android Accessibility Suite, Um, and it is meant for users that have dexterity or motor impairments or who find basically touching the screen to be inconvenient or difficult. Um, It allows you to have full device control by your voice. So you basically vocalize your your touch gestures by saying, scroll up, scroll down, go back, go home, click on this, that, and and enter text and so on. And uh, this was originally released in in English. And the update to voice access is that now it's available in not only English, but also French and Spanish, um, Italian and German. Um, so so we're building out new language support. Um, we're also working on some some new features, which I, I can't announce yet, but there's some really exciting and, and cool stuff coming.
1: Every time you guys come on, you have announcements you can't announce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, And um, a- actually, one other product I wanted to mention also is is Lookouts, which is another app that users can go download from the Play Store. Um, this was, Lookout was announced last year at I.O., but not launched actually until March. Right. So, so it's just recently launched. Um, And Lookout allows people with vision impairments to basically detect um, and gain more independence during real-world situations and tasks. So I basically would open up Lookout and move my device kind of around the room in front of me, and the camera sees a variety of objects and text and different things like that, and then my, my phone speaks back to me these items. Um, and as I mentioned, we launched Lookouts in the U.S. on Pixel devices in March here. Um, and then the exciting news at I.O. was that we're expanding support beyond Pixel to, to also support um, top-tier Samsung and LG devices. So we're very excited to get that in the hands of more people and start getting additional feedback and, and see how people use it.
2: Is there anything new in Magnification? Uh, we haven't released anything new in Magnification, so I'm just going to be very clear and direct about that. And as I alluded to, for this next cycle of, of Android, uh, the needs of low vision users are really, really, really important to us, right? And so we're going to be focusing a lot on that over the next year, so I think it's going to be a really exciting time. For not just people with low vision, but people with other vision conditions such as photophobia, light sensitivity, uh, color blindness, and so that whole category is something that we're, you know, looking into, trying to better understand user needs, and trying to see, quite frankly, how we can apply, uh, how we can apply machine learning and artificial intelligence and all of these underlying capabilities, the Google magic that I talk about, uh, to. Improving this, not only on the device, but also for real world experiences. So I think, um, I think when we talk again at this time next year, it's going to be another really exciting, uh, conversation.
1: Okay, Steve, we all need to go to IO next year and do the podcast live from the show floor. (laughs)
2: Where's
1: (laughs) IO next year? That's probably Mountain View, probably California.
2: Yeah, it's usually here. It's usually at Shoreline Amphitheater here in Mountain View. Oh, trip road trip (laughs) (laughs) um
0: well just out of curiosity then so when you when you guys are developing because developing new new products um because live it seems to me live caption and and live transcribed are very are very much related and so now you're talking about sort of going forward for next year you're sort of going to work on the vision aspect is that generally how how the development works is that it, 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 because there's these products that are, are very much related and sort of using the same foundations, um, that's just kind of how things roll out. Is that they're they're um, rolling out in themes?
2: You know, I would love to like make myself seem like somebody who's that methodical and deliberate <laughs> and put all of these things together for efficiency and stuff like that, but. Uh, that wouldn't actually be totally true. Um, I, I think what happened in the deaf and hard of hearing space is we really didn't have a lot of features for deaf and hard of hearing users. Right. Um, so that was one. So it felt like that was the biggest area where we could have a massive user impact. Mm-hmm. And then two, we had all of these extant technologies that were simply like fire waiting to be discovered to apply to these really transformative use cases, like captions and transcriptions for real world conversation, captions for any audio on the device, right? Like now you have captions for, you know, it's been on your TV, it's been on movies for a long time, right? But it's never expanded out beyond that. And so now you have captions on Android for everything, right? Because that technology was there. Now, Um, you know, and what we learned from going through that process is we had a lot of benefits to having partnerships in the deaf community, like with Gallaudet university, which is the world's premier deaf university and one of the world's only deaf universities, um, working with those users. So there were like these natural synergies and it also helped us, right? Like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm a hearing person, I'm a seeing person, so I have to build empathy. I have to rely on other people when I build products. And so it's simply easier to do that if you're if you're focused. And we figured that out. You know, we kind of figured it out. I don't think it was, I, you know, I want to be humble. I don't think it was part of a grand design, but I think it's something we learned from and that we can apply across the board.
0: Uh, guys, anything that we uh, didn't touch on that you guys want
2: want to bring up or talk about? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from your listeners. Um, we're super open uh, to talking. Happy to connect you to Julie uh, for Euphonia if you okay. wanted to do a show on that. So just, you know, be in touch. And, you know, we really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you, to get questions and, and so forth. And, um, yeah, thank you. Great. So where can people just, go uh, if, to,
0: to sort of find the accessibility team and to reach out and, and bring anything up to you guys?
5: we do have uh, lots of new communication channels for our users and probably the best um, website to remember is g.co slash disability support. And if people have feedback or they want to get connected to our customer care on any of the accessibility issues, I would probably go to that website. We just launched support with Be My Eyes partnership. Right. Uh, There is an email support, there is even chat support. This is probably the most consolidated resource that I can think about, Um, people, of course, can follow our blog, uh, the keyword um, um, accessibility blog. So that's probably what Brian mentioned before, this is where our product gets announced. But I would probably g.co slash disability support is the Website. I will definitely send people to um, to send
0: feedback. Perfect, and we'll include all those in the show notes as well. Guys, listen. We want to really thank you for taking time out of your day to, to chat with us once again this year. Um, you know, it sounds like it, it was a really really landmark year for you guys this year, and so you you guys need to top that. Those three cowbell. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm, set, I'm setting a I'm setting a standard for you for next year, guys. So
3: we you expect need, four you. Yeah, four. at least four. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Thank guys. You.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Man. I wish we could all go to California. <laughs> <laughs> get those cold calls going, Ryan. Let's go. We've got to
0: get the profit
4: margin up. Come on. Let's hear his Braille things. <laughs> Use good margins
0: we, on
1: that. <laughs> just
4: start a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe. A GoFundMe.
0: In there, Send yeah. Ryan to California. <laughs>
1: Right, go hang out with the Google team.
0: That's that project Euphonia is. That's amazing. That that is yeah. melting my brain thinking
1: about that. Well, and I think there are some videos out there. Unfortunately, the link we had wasn't working. But if, I think it's actually using the whole facial features, right? That's the shape nuts. of your mouth and the lips and the eyes and to, all that AI is taking in all that information to help formulate the speech. And it's incredible.
0: That that could be. That's that's earth-shaking. It'll like that. un- unlock a world of people, you know. Yeah, like a lot of people who are. Well, I mean, you know, certainly there's there's all kinds of of levels and gradients uh, of, of of communication aids, but um, I mean, that could eliminate the need for communication aids for for a whole segment of of that community.
4: It it could, yeah, yeah, it very well could. But I mean, even even just in the broader World sense, you know that that technology will be able to help improve, you know, face to face translation. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, I I mean, think back to um, when the uh, the Google uh, Home devices started coming out, and the videos that were there of, you know, here's a little old Scottish lady trying to use Google Home. You know, um, that's yeah, that potentially goes away right those those sorts of issues go away absolutely you know you think about you know every everybody thinks the human brain is such an amazing thing and it can do all kinds of different things but you know here we are we're hitting the point where you know it's possible that a machine will do a better job of understanding each other than we do Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Now there's a heady concept.
4: And on that note.
5: <laughs> and then they'll start figuring
0: out how to do everything else better than we do. And then robot overlords. I, for one,
1: welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> I don't think we have a choice but to welcome them because <laughs> they're coming.
0: Listen, as long as it means I get like a comfy matrix cocoon and I just get it in that little gel and you have like that. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Plug me into the matrix. You can use my energy as a battery or whatever, as long as I'm comfy and, you know, I get fed through my feeding tube. I'm happy. I'm happy.
4: Ever ready, Mano. I don't.
0: Anyways, uh, we digress. No. So what do you what do you think, Ryan? Are
1: you excited? I was, you know, really excited about the announcements this year. And like I said in the show, it sounded like it was a year for evolution and innovation in products for the hearing impaired. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear, you know, being blind, excited to hear that they're working on the Braille side of things because that's always been a sticking point with a lot of blind users sure. on Android. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be really excited to see what comes out next year. Yeah, for sure. But they're definitely working hard. Where can people find us? Oh, they can find us at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email at
0: cowbell at atbanter.com.
4: And we can be found on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, on the Instagrams.
0: All right, everybody. I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see everybody
4: next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll free at 1 844 795 8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 847 6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that master of the one take.